Welcome back to The Shepherd's Pie, a slice of faith for our messy lives. I'm Tony Kolank, a professor at Ave Maria School of Law and the father of five grown children now. By the way, with the holidays coming, if you've got a teenager in middle or high school and they want an exciting read that's uh, not only suspenseful but family-friendly, check out my medieval series, if you would, The Harwood Mysteries. In fact, book five just released, and you can check out all of those on my website. But today we are speaking with Anne DeSantis, and we're going to be talking about how loving marginalized people in our lives can help us increase our own faith. I am thrilled to have back on the show today Anne DeSantis. Anne is a Catholic wife and mother from the greater Philadelphia area. She's the executive director for the St. Raymond Nanadas Foundation for Freedom, Family, and Faith. She's also the author of a few books, including her latest, Love and Care for the Marginalized. She does a lot of speaking. Uh, she's part of the Catholic Speakers Organization, speaks at parishes all over. Uh, Anne, welcome back to The Shepherd's Pie. Tony, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here with you. So the last time you were on, I got a little bit into your background, but I'd love to hear a little bit more about you and, and the kind of work that you do. I was a homeschooling mom. I have two adult daughters in their 20s, and I homeschooled my kids from pre-K all the way through high school, which was a real honor for me to be able to spend so much family time with them. And I absolutely loved homeschooling. But after I was finished with that, I said to myself, what can I do with myself now? I would like to do something, whether it be work or service in the church, volunteer work, whatever that would be. And so little by little, I started getting active in my parish community and I became a third order Mercedarian, which is a religious order that was based in Barcelona, Spain. And we are headquartered in the Philadelphia area. And so I started working for the foundation back in 2017. I started as administrative assistant director and now executive director. We make pastoral outreach to families in crisis. And so on a daily basis, that's what I do. I get to interact with people, people who are going through very challenging times. And also my idea to write a book in 2021, Love and Care for the Marginalized, has a real tie to what I do for a living too, because I get to talk to and learn about what's going on with so many families who are going through some kind of a trial, because I really believe in this culture right now that there are so many people who are going through something and there are so many things that could be, is it relationship issues? Is it a challenge of your faith? Is it marital issues? Is it divorce, separation, annulments? Is it a job loss? I mean, there's all kinds of things that affect us and cause traumas and adversities. And so it all ties together what I do for a living and then also my writing. And as you said, I'm a speaker with the Catholic Speakers Organization, and I've really been loving visiting parishes, both in the Pennsylvania area and Philadelphia and beyond. And it's really an honor to meet so many wonderful people when I make those church missions and get to interact with people about the things that are important to them. 
So the last time you were on, we were talking about what seems to be a real um, topic on your heart, which is marginalized people. And you're not talking about necessarily the types of marginalized people that sometimes we normally think about. Like when I hear people say marginalized, I just assume we're talking about like homeless people or drug addicts or something like that. And um, you have a much broader definition. But last time we spent a lot of time really focused on youth issues and, you know, teen bullying and gossip and things like that. And I know uh, your ministry goes a lot broader than that. So I thought this would be a great opportunity to bring it out wider. Yes. Well, to start, being the executive director for the St. Raymond Onatus Foundation is really the greatest opportunity that I have to listen to, talk to, and try to help guide and find help and resources for people who are suffering in some way. As we all know, when we went through the pandemic, I think it was really magnified during that time 2020 to 2022 or so, when people were alone, people were not able to go to church, especially faithful Catholics, people who don't have families. I mean, a lot of people, they're not married or they're not connected to their communities. That's when we discovered all the people that are out there. And my definition of marginalized are those who do not have the love and the support that they deserve. We're all God's children. And so we all deserve some kind of love and care, don't we? My ministry is a combination of what I do with the foundation and then my own personal ministry. By that, I just mean my everyday life as a human being and being a mom, being a wife, living in a community and attending a church and trying to make real personal outreach to those that are around me, right? Because I think we can all do that. That's a mission of all of us as Catholics to keep our eyes open for who those people are, because I believe that marginalized people are in our neighborhoods. They are in our workplaces. They're in our schools. They are in our churches, as we all know. They are people that we meet just randomly when we go places. And so those are the people that maybe they just don't have a friend. They don't have someone that they can reach out to when they need somebody to talk to. And maybe they've been through something very traumatic in their lives. So I just think that this is a mission for every single one of us, not just Catholics. This is a mission for the entire human family, whether you're Catholic or not. And that when we think about how can we make the world a better place, in my opinion, my humble opinion, I believe that this is the best way that we can do that. Yeah. And the nice thing about the way that you kind of frame the issue is it really is accessible to any of us wherever we are. You're really talking about just, you know, go to your church, go to the normal places you go and look around and see what you see. So maybe can you address the connection to our faith? How can this be something by reaching out and, and loving marginalized people? How does that intersect with our faith, in your opinion? Well, that's a wonderful question. And it has everything to do with my personal mission, which I say is prayer perseverance and positivity, those three words, three Ps, right? And I'll say prayer because that's the greatest gift that we can give to anyone, isn't it? When we can pray for them because we can't help everybody, but we can pray for people. Perseverance, because in this life, let's face it, we live in a world of sin. And so we need a certain amount of perseverance for the things that happen to us in our lives every day. And positivity, because what I mean by positivity is that there's a brighter side to every situation. And I just want to mention that, that if anybody wants to learn more about that whole idea of prayer, perseverance, and positivity, just go to my website. It's right on the front page of 
andesantis.com. But to get back to your question, if we examine our minds and our hearts in our own situations every day, there are people that we're around in work. Maybe they're the quiet people. Maybe they're the people that seem to go into a shell when they're around certain more dominant personalities, if you know what I mean. Sometimes I believe that marginalized people are the ones who have been shut out by the more powerful people of our world. And I'm not just talking about people who are running for president or people who are super mega rich. I just mean that sometimes in church, in work, in families, in extended families, you always have those kind of um, people that like to trample over other people. They don't want to listen. They want to make sure that they get their way or the highway. And I think that marginalized people are those who are victims of that. Things that have happened in their lives that have brought them to a very low point. Something that might have happened to a family member. Maybe it's a severe illness and maybe they don't have someone to talk to about the things in their hearts that are really troubling them. And I think that we live in a world today too, where we don't want to take the time to listen and to help people. Everybody's so busy with everything they have to do. Nobody wants to take a random phone call anymore. Like you hear the phone ring, you're like, oh, if you see that it's not somebody that you talk to every day, it's like you let your voicemail get it because you don't want to be bothered with them. We can become more compassionate to others by learning to open ourselves up a little bit more Throw away that to-do list sometimes. I know for me, I can get obsessed with that list of what I need to do by the end of the day. We all do. But really, if we want to love and care for the marginalized, we need to open ourselves up a little bit more and be a little more laid back with our time, our time, our talent, and our treasure. Isn't this the exact example that Jesus kind of left us in the Gospels? You know, who are the people that he was reaching out to? He wasn't going to the mega rich people or the super popular people or the politicians. He was looking at all these people who were marginalized in their society. So I don't know, maybe you can even address that. I'm assuming you've probably given more thought to this than I have in sort of following Christ in this ministry to marginalized people around us. I believe that in Holy Scripture, there are so many examples of Christ modeling for us how we should be with people, right? I think the greatest example in scripture, which I do mention in my book on the back cover, is Matthew 25, about Jesus talking about who are those people. And he talks about feeding the hungry, giving drink to the thirsty. And when we don't give those things to people, and it's not just about water and food and shelter, right? When we don't open ourselves up to the suffering of other people, I hate to say it, but I mean, there's a punishment for that too. So we are called to go to visit the prisoners. Now, prisoners are people who are in prison, but they're also people who are in the prisons of the many ways in our world that we can become marginalized. There could be an elderly person in your neighborhood who doesn't have any connections with anybody, never gets to the store, doesn't have any help. And so when you help a person like that, you are visiting the prisoner. There could be a younger person who's in school that has no friends. He's being bullied. He also has a hard time at home. Maybe he doesn't have a great relationship with his mom and dad, and they're imprisoned. It could be somebody at church that isn't in the popular church group. Maybe it's somebody 
that wants to go to the prayer group, but when they go, they feel like they're the only one that isn't part of that daily mass breakfast group afterwards or something. So there's so many people and Jesus would have always gone to the person who was by themselves. I, I don't know, Tony, for me, when I go to a party or when I go places, I keep my eyes open for somebody who's alone or isn't part of that sort of jovial group of people that are in a circle laughing about something, right? I try to find somebody who's at a table that maybe it's just one or two and walk over and just say, you know, hey, how are you? Maybe they're looking at that group of people at the party and thinking, I'd like to be part of that group, but nobody's invited me. And I can't just walk over like a dunce and stand there and be accepted into the group without knowing anybody. I just think if we want to imitate Christ, then we have to think about these things. One of my favorite stories in the Bible, parables, is in Luke 10, is the parable of the Good Samaritan. And I think that's a perfect one because we see two people the Levite and the priest that walked by on the other side and didn't want to help the man that was by himself with nobody to help and get him some food and take care of his wounds. But then the Samaritan walked by and helped out and did what he was supposed to do. And that was an enemy to him too. And just think about it. Sometimes in our own families, there might be a relative, maybe it's an aunt or an uncle or a cousin that nobody else is talking to. And maybe you'll be blacklisted if you become friends with that person because somebody else doesn't like them. But if you make that relationship, you're putting yourself at odds with your family. And I think that's the marginalized, isn't it? These are people that we see and interact with all the time. Yeah, it's interesting because a lot of times it might be that annoying person. Like when I'm thinking about Jesus, you know, and he's got like Zacchaeus, you know, uh, up in a tree, or you've got the guy on the side of the road who's like shouting out to him and people are like, shut up, shut up. And Jesus is like, no, I'm going to go over and talk to this guy. But you also mentioned prison. We can assume probably, hopefully, most of the people who are in prison are probably there for a reason. It's probably because they've harmed others or society in some way. And so they might not be the natural people that you necessarily feel like, well, why should I help that person? Is that who Jesus was talking about? You know, it doesn't matter if he's innocent, if he's guilty, he just needs somebody to let him know that, you know, he's loved regardless of what he did in his life. I remember my friend, Bill Snyder, who's also a friend of yours too. And he's been on your podcast. He's the founder of Patchwork Heart Ministry. And Bill and I do a podcast together called Sewing Hope. And Bill talks a lot about, and he's done a lot of research about capital punishment. A lot of times in our Catholic faith, that's like one of those areas that kind of, it's like a line drawn in the sand, isn't it? I mean, as far as the pro-life movement, because we can be pro-life in an easy way when we think about saving babies and the care of the elderly and things like that, because they're good lives, right? But there are also, and I'll put it in air quotes, and I'm not saying that people who have been accused of crimes are bad people, you know, but but what about the bad lives? What about the people who have done something, like you said, that maybe they've committed a crime or they've had not so good lives, you know, does God love them the same? Well, yes, it's all through Holy Scripture, isn't it? He loves all of his creation. And so we have to remember that when we care about the marginalized, that we have to remember that some of the stories that you're going to hear in your mind, you might say to yourself, oh my gosh, like, how could this person do this? Or, 
there might be some judgment that comes into our minds. And, and I guess it's natural, you know, if someone's done something really terrible. But what we need to do, I think what we have to do is to try to remember that God always loves the sinner and not the sin, because we're all sinners, aren't we? We do live in a world of sin where we are all affected by sin. And I think if we look at it that way, then it's easier for us to understand the ways that we can make outreach to everybody, not just some people. And I think it also helps us to understand that people who are affected by gossip or bullying or rejection, you know, they may not necessarily be the people that everybody would want to become friends with. Like you said, they could be annoying people. And you you might even listen to their stories and think, you know, I see why you have no friends or no family, right? I can understand that. But if we really want to follow Christ and we really want to become a saint, I got to say that because becoming a saint isn't selective. The saints weren't selective about loving people. They did love the marginalized. It's part of our life mission and our journey to heaven to be able to do that. And how do we do that? We do it by prayer, perseverance, and I would say positivity too, but we also do it by living the sacramental life of the church, by confession, the Eucharist, living our faith. Remember, we have to not just be book smart with our Catholic faith. We need to live it. You think about the woman caught in the act of adultery who was going to get stoned to death, that Jesus, you know, he says, go and sin no more, but he is there for her and the tax collector, Matthew even, right? He, he, I guess, was a bad person by that standard in, in those days. And here he is, he makes him one of his apostles. So let me ask this then, how does any of this help us in our own faith? I do talk about this in my book. And we have to look at loving and caring for the marginalized as a true gift from God. It's not something we do like you go to the grocery store and you check off if you've gotten the milk and the bread and the broccoli. It's not like that. We don't do it just so that we can say we did something good and now I'm going to go to heaven because I do care about people in need right? We look at caring for those who are rejected, isolated, ostracized, all of those things. We do it because we are being given a wonderful gift from God to do this, to helping to make the world a better place. It's the only way I believe that the world is going to become a better place. God doesn't have a magic wand and he doesn't just make things happen. Because we are his instruments, right? We've heard it over and over that we're his hands and feet, you know? And that's so true. But the world isn't going to become a better place if we don't pray and if we don't really take it seriously about loving and caring for the marginalized. Because honestly, I believe that it's the most prevalent teaching in the Bible. If we really look at the life of Christ, even the Paschal mystery, the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ, the giving of his life was an act to help us who are marginalized people who are going to not go to heaven if it weren't for him, right? We were going to be separated from God for eternity if Christ didn't give himself for us, right? So we were the marginalized people, right? And he 
was our savior and is our savior. So now it's our turn to give back, not only to him, but the people. And what I always say, I remember going on a retreat or something, but one of the things the person said to me was that the most important thing is for me to know how much God loves me, right? Well, when I've been through my own challenges of life, and this might sound like it's kind of um, maybe giving a different viewpoint to that whole idea of knowing how much God loves me. Some people know how much God loves them, but their, their problem isn't with God. It's with people because people don't see them for who they are. Like I know for myself, when I've gone through my own times of even feeling like I might've been marginalized in certain periods of my life. And thank God right now, that's not one of those periods. I never had a problem with God. I, I really always understood that he loved me. My problem was always with people <laughs> and the misunderstandings that you can have with people. I don't think I lost my faith, but I lost my faith in humanity. So I always say that it's important not only to show people that God loves them, which some of them might know, but that we do too, right? They need to know that not just him, God loves them. It's, when I think we say, oh, I want them to know how much God loves them, I can separate myself from a person by saying that too, because I can make it not about me, but about God, just that they know God's love. Well, I need to show them God, love too by my actions. Well, that's how they're going to encounter God's love, you know, mm -hmm. in the, especially in, in the physical, like you said, I mean, like maybe there are some people that God actually comes down and gives a hug to, and they actually can feel that. But most of us just need a hug from another person. What do you say to a person who comes and says, look, you know, I get it. It sounds all good, but I struggle. I struggle to reach out to marginalized people. You know, I, I don't have the personality where I could just walk up to somebody at a party or I'm afraid of talking to that homeless person or, you know, they're struggling to be able to reach out. Um, do you have any advice to them on dealing with that? This is so funny that we're having this discussion. I am working on a dissertation, but one of the things that I get into in my dissertation is human development, and also a little bit of psychology too. Because this is an area that we have to say, like there are people who are outgoing, people who are quiet, people who are a little bit more self-focused. And everybody has a different way of looking at the world, don't we? You know, some people have a high emotional intelligence and some people don't. So what it comes down to, I think, is that we have to understand that even if it's not your personality, that a lot of this stuff can be learned, right? We can learn to become more compassionate, becoming more compassionate. That's a topic that I do when I go to churches and organizations. I talk about that. I talk about the idea that these are things that can be learned. So even if you're not outgoing, even if you are not naturally sort of an empathetic type of a person, take a step back. That's all you need to do is quiet your mind and don't just watch what someone says, watch their facial expressions, watch the room, right? Watch the person when they're with other people and listen for the things that they don't say. Some people won't always tell you I'm not doing well, but you can see it on their face. You might not see them at events you, they, you might say to yourself, hmm, I wonder where Susan is or John or whatever their name is. 
And maybe they're not going to things at church or in the family because something's going on. That's when we need to make a phone call. People are afraid to pick up the phone. And that's a whole other topic, I think, isn't it? These days, everybody wants to text and email and do Facebook Messenger and WhatsApp. There's nothing wrong with those things. I use them all the time. But we have to be not afraid to pick up the phone once in a while and just check on somebody. How are you? What's going on? Can I help you? Do you need anything? You know, don't be afraid because that's really how we can show people how much we care about them and how much God loves them too. Wow. I'm assuming this is some of the stuff you probably can talk about when you go to a parish. So maybe uh, as a final question, if people want to learn more about you, maybe find how they can get a copy of that book that you wrote about uh, loving the marginalized and maybe even uh, bring you to a parish. I mean, how can they do that? And, uh, and where would you advise them to go to do that? I think the best place to go would be my website. It's simply andesantis.com, A-N-N-E-D-E-S-A-N-T-I-S.com. And I have a speaker events page where I list out what I talk about. Now, I want to say this. It's not like a cookie cutter talk. The main talk that I've been doing is that becoming more compassionate. But I just did a talk this past weekend on the Eucharist. But go to that website. I am also with Catholic Speakers Organization. If you Google that and Google my name, you can also go on the page there because everything goes through them in booking me. So the website or the link for Catholic Speakers Organization is on andesantis.com as well. Thank you for asking that question. And thank you for being on the show for a second time. You know, I always love hearing you talk about just reaching out to the marginalized because you really put it in a context that I think is accessible to us just in our everyday lives. So it was really great to have you back on the show again. Oh, thank you, Tony. And thank you for the great work that you're doing. You're going to be a guest on my show too, Journeys in Faith with Anne DeSantis on the Anne DeSantis YouTube channel. So I'll just say to your audience, keep an eye on that because- Tony has so much to share. He's an amazing author. Thank you. That's very kind of you. All right. Well, anyway, that is all the time we have, unfortunately, for our show today. Uh, we've been speaking with Anne DeSantis about how our faith can uh, really intersect with loving the marginalized. Again, this is Anthony Barone Kolank. If you want me to come speak to your school or homeschool group about writing or middle ages or anything like that, um, or just learn more about my books, check out my website, antonykolank.com. Until next time, may God bless us as we rely on our faith to work through the messy challenges of our lives. Mm -hmm.